Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have James Mulvaney, founder and CEO of Podcast.co and Radio.co. In this episode, we talked about what drives James to keep building new companies in the content and streaming space, why the podcast industry is still full of untapped potential, and the importance of a personal touch in customer attention. We also discussed why James thinks world-class customer service is a key to resurrecting churned customers, why social media ads are underrated for retaining customers, and his biggest challenge in tackling churn and retention. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, James, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great. Uh, For the listeners, James is the founder and CEO of Radio.co, a live streaming and radio management platform which powers over 4,000 channels around the world. James is also the founder of Podcast.co, a platform for podcast publishing and distribution. They also have a services layer on top that works with leading brands, agencies, influencers, and individuals to help spread their message further using audio. Prior to Radio.co and Podcast.co, James also founded Wave Streaming, MCR Live, and CDNFI, which they built into leading CDN that they exited to SSL in May 2017. So my first question for you, James, is there's a clear theme in the companies that you founded. What drives you to keep building new companies in the content distribution and streaming space? I think it's always been really exciting. The idea of actually broadcasting yourself and pushing your message out there, has, it's been one that kind of has always driven me. I really enjoy creating content as well as helping people grow their audiences. So I think that's probably why there's been a running theme. Plus also, you know, it's just one of these things you fall into a certain sort of trade almost. You learn, you learn all about that trade, you learn all about the industry, and it just makes it easy to spot opportunities, I think. Yeah, you become an expert in the domain right. and then from there... Exactly. Uh, scratching your own from the different problems that come up as a result but then it, you know it's interesting you say what prompts you to keep starting businesses because like as an entrepreneur that's what you do and you know i've had some successes i've had some failures I've had some really bad failures and some really good successes you know so it's one of these things that I, I sometimes when i'm starting a new company i'm like oh why am i putting myself through this again but it's good fun and you know it's part of the challenge and part of the part of the journey really uh, we launched radio.co about five years ago in um, July 2015, after about a year of development. As, as we kind of progressed, more and more clients were coming to us saying, you know, we want to start a podcast. Or a lot of our clients are obviously radio customers. So it makes it's a logical progression for them to have a podcast. 
so initially we thought okay let's build it into radio.co but the the thing with the podcasting market has grown so much over the last two three years it's a really you know proper exciting space to be in at the moment there's a lot of opportunity there and i think things are really just getting started so it made more sense to roll it out as a separate business radio.co was kind of bootstrapped and and i sort of you know effectively privately funded the development that of that from my from my existing business so with podcast.co we actually took on some debt financing because i was very much aware that you don't want to lose momentum or traction with one product and also you know we have some members of the team who work across both brands but ultimately with the development i was like we need a new dev team to build podcast.co because you know there's so much stuff going on with radio.co you know you, you don't want to sort of end up neglecting it so it's very, very important to sort of hire a new dev team, start working on podcast.co and also just expand the marketing and sales and support teams as well. So both products are taken care of and both customer bases are obviously taken care of as well. Yeah. So you sort of started out working together and then slowly now really trying to separate the two and become make their own. Yeah. Individual. I mean, it's good because we're all, we're all based in the same office. There's about 30 members of the team between both both brands um there is obviously a lot of crossover so it's quite exciting being collaborative and and sort of playing you know sort of playing with different ideas and, and discussing how best promote each product but i do think you know it's good to have people who are devoted to each member each product as well just so you've got yeah. that kind of clear separation you can kind of keep things moving forward for sure and you said as well like you think like the podcast industry is still in its infancy now like i'm interested in what your thoughts are on this because i think like you see every day new podcasts popping up and a lot of people tend to think sort of the market is saturated and how many more podcasts can there be but why do you feel that this is just the beginning well i think there's less than a million podcasts still you know if you compare that to the number of facebook pages or youtube channels which are in you know tens or even hundreds of millions right yeah. less than a million podcasts are still still so much opportunity there there's so many people who come to me and say james is it too late to start a podcast it's too saturated i think that's a small amount when you think about the internet in numbers uh, less than a million is nothing so nothing. that's why i think number one there's a good opportunity and certainly also discoverability is becoming a lot better i had this conversation with someone the other day where you know google have finally finally ha- unveiled their their sort of landing page for for podcasts if you go to podcast.google.com it's kind of rubbish at the moment. Um, but what yeah. Google do have is huge amounts of technology and processing power. So I think ultimately Google's still like the number one discovery engine on the internet for anything. I think podcasts are going to form a nice part of that, especially once they start. And they're doing this already, but it sort of becomes more and more you know, intelligent the way that they can actually transcribe audio into sort of searchable text data and understand what's going on in that podcast that's going to be a big game changer for, for, yeah. for people discovering. And of course, listen, the listener numbers are just going to go up and up because of that. Definitely. I can see that happening. Like I use a service to transcribe the episodes afterwards and mm-hmm. uh, it makes it searchable. So you can later then go and search for specific topics and areas. And uh, part of that, I think is a super powerful way is like me just searching for like onboarding, for example. And then I come across the 15 or 20 or 30 episodes where onboarding was mentioned and be able to sort of group and collect those ideas together is really powerful so i can see that playing out in search really really yeah. well too so the other thing i noticed as well like your businesses i think they really sit at the core fundamental uh, like place so the products that you've built are really like day-to-day use products you can't just mm-hmm. sit and forget in a way like you need to be on them all the time correct do you think this is sort of helped you into the type of business you're working when it comes to general retention like 
what do your numbers uh, look like? You don't have to talk about specifics, but I mean, uh, do you think this has definitely given you an edge when it comes to general attention, having businesses that are like fundamental to running the companies or the shows that these people use you for? I, I think so. One of the things that we noticed very early on with radio.co was people will sign up and, you know, they might be at a kind of discovery stage where they're just thinking about starting up, but they're not necessarily ready to commit. So it's important. And then, and then obviously we launched radio.co and it was kind of brand new to the marketplace. There wasn't a lot of other competing solutions, whereas now there are more competing solutions. So we've got a effectively people take us for a spin and they'll go elsewhere they might try a competitor's product we provide you know the world-class customer support so we find that's a big driver to keep people bringing back but the other thing which we found has helped massively is just retaining customer data so once someone hasn't paid they cancel their account rather than just like saying okay see you later we're never going to see you again we assume that that person may want to come back and we keep the data for a period of time i think it's 60 days and you know, during that 60 day period, we'll just touch base with them, not like being sort of high pressure sort of sales guys, but just basically saying, listen, you know, we've still got your account data. If you want to reactivate, you can do so. And, you know, you'd be amazed to see the number of people that then say, okay, we want to reactivate. But the benefit of that is they've everything they've spent time doing, playlists they've created, you know, media files they've uploaded. We've got all of that there. So they don't need to start redoing that all over again. And they can just really, you know, pick up where they left off. And that kind of then says, I think 60 days is long enough where, you know, during that period of time, if they've tried a customer, uh, customer support from one of our competitors and decided, yeah, these guys are not very responsive, let's go back to radio.co, which does happen a lot, you know, it, it allows them to come back and sort of pick up where they left off. And, and that sort of reduces that sort of friction. I think it's really important. For sure. Uh, it sounds like an exciting idea. The one thing that sort of triggered to mind as well when you said it now again is uh, in the context of GDPR and like data protection and how are you communicating this to your users when they're uh, cancelling their accounts or deleting to make sure that you're sort of in compliance with GDPR and uh, their data rights? I mean, I'm, let's not go there. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an intellectual property expert. I don't want to say anything that's going to land us in trouble. I'm pretty sure we've got it in our terms and conditions and obviously we we... I think it's probably in the cancellation email that, that we keep it there, but I, I don't want to really get into GDPR as a topic. It's just... No, absolutely not. But I, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think as a, as a concept that's very, very interesting in terms of trying to win back customers is like we often just sort of lose them and forget about them. And I think resurrection itself is very, very difficult in just in the nature that someone's made up their mind to actively quit and leave your product. Trying to win them back is, is difficult. But like you say, in the nature of going out, trying something else and then realizing, okay, maybe I made a mistake, I need to go back. Having that sort of slate and ready to get up and running uh, can be a very, very powerful motivator to win them back as well. Yeah, I think it depends, again, on, on the kind of platform you're running. With you know the SaaS model, it's great. You've got predictable revenue, et cetera. But then ultimately, I think a lot of companies forget that there's, not, there's more than one solution out there and customers don't necessarily make their mind up You know, on day one. You need to... Uh, remind people that you're still around sometimes we've seen customers who have kind of inquired and then they've not actually signed up for like a couple two three months sometimes and this is where i think retargeting comes into play because you know one of the things we've always been big on is is content we like to deliver value to the marketplace as a whole um, and build good goodwill in the in the the kind of the market if if you like because i think that that helps with with brand awareness but also you know, let's say someone's thinking about starting a radio project. Well, it's just not, it's not generally like a decision you make on a Tuesday afternoon, right? It's, 
it's something you might think about for, for a couple of months. You might, not, you might have the idea that you'd like to do that, but not really have, fully gr- have a full grasp over the concept that you want to create. So, you know, using retargeting, making sure you're delivering constant value to the marketplace really helps people, uh, helps solidify your brand in people's minds. And keep your top of mind. Yeah, we actually talked about this recently with uh, Nathan Berry from ConvertKit. And they obviously, they have an email uh, marketing service that helps you to build lists and target users and create landing pages. Yeah. Uh, and very much they sort of figured out as well, like they had this huge amount of people sort of coming in trying to test out the product or just curiosity, but then weren't really ready for it. So they started to build on services on top, like the landing page to be able to create, to start collecting and uh, I can definitely see it in your case as well when it comes to Radio Co or Podcast Co. Even people out of curiosity want to start checking out what's in the market, what's going on before they're actually even ready to get yep. started. Um, and again, you know, interestingly, I, I've actually started using Convert uh, Kit for my personal brand. We we use a few different other services for, for radio podcasts, but yeah. so far, good experience. And, you know, they've done a really good job in terms of providing value, I think. They, they have lots of in-app messaging, which sort of uh, prompts you to do certain things. So yeah, it's, it's quite a cool product. And I think, you know, email marketing again is, is a really powerful thing. It's still, still very relevant. Obviously your open rates and stuff aren't as good as they were like five, six years ago, but this is why I think you need to take more of a cross-platform strategy and, you know, look at delivering video via socials and stuff as well. You know, uh, when we launched radio.co, email marketing was sort of still king, whereas I think less so now perhaps you know, you can stay in touch with people who have been on your site using things like retargeting and being more intelligent about your, your pay-per-click strategy. So one of the sort of methodologies we're adopting at the moment for, for advertising is, you know, rolling out video as ads just to kind of engage with those sort of top for funnel type people. You know, they, they might be interested in your product, they might have been to your site once and then bounce and gone elsewhere. Well, if you show them content that's relevant to them or, or relevant to, to your business, and then you, you see that they're engaging with it, you know, Facebook allows you to actually uh, profile an audience based on people who have watched X percentage of your videos. So you know those people immediately are engaged, right? And I think that's, that's such a powerful strategy. Because, but you don't need to really know who that person is. You don't need to have their email address or have their contact details. But ultimately, you'll end up getting that if you're showing them more and more relevant content. For sure. And I think it's, it's a very, very underutilized channel when it comes to general attention is actually sort of using social channels and using even ads like Facebook for engagement and updates. Because mm-hmm. I think, like you say, like email is definitely it's one channel, but it's, it's saturated to, to a large extent. But at the same time as well, it's like you if you basically just basing your strategy just on email, you're only choosing one channel where people are consuming information and data and it might not be an individual's preference. They might really be wanting to consume their news or updates in social channels or in things like LinkedIn. So, Yeah, I think the main important, the important thing to, to, to think about when it comes to churn is just because someone has cancelled their account does not mean you have lost them as a customer for good. Yeah, I think this is always a, it's a tough one. And I think like when we think about trend and retention, the biggest opportunities are always, I think people gravitate towards onboarding and working on new customers. Because I think once you sort of get to that point where someone's made up their mind around your customer, like, and they've actively decided to quit, it's a lot harder to turn their psychology around than it is to try and excite a new person who just arrived to your product. And well, yeah, I mean, but I, I think, you know, this is the thing I think, of course you've got to look at you've got to nurture your new leads definitely but but then as i say just because someone's cancelled i know i know what you're saying 
it's hard to turn the psychology around but then you know i i think i think that that people maybe just don't don't think about that because yeah. you know it's it's certainly it's relevant for radio.co and interestingly on the flip side with podcast.co although it's still relatively young as a business we're seeing a lot less churn you know i think because once someone's got their podcast set up they they kind of just tend to to leave it whereas with radio you know quite a lot of people it'll be kind of a project that they they sort of come back to yeah i think with podcasts well it's quite a difficult one to Turn, I think, is also because the the unknowns as well of what happens, like moving and switching between providers, and yep. every website states that they do do it, but you're never quite sure like how it's going to impact distribution and listens, and so I think it's almost one of those ones where you got it out of fear. Yeah, like the kind of if it if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of mentality. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I had a case like this recently with my provider. I won't mention any names, but they had a really bad email that was sent out when a credit card was declined. What happened was I had uh, my company account, I got a new card for it, and then the month went and I had forgot to update it on the, the hosting provider. And I received an email notification to say that uh, your account has been suspended uh, and your data will be deleted in 30 days if you do not update your card or anything like that. So you can imagine like I sort of panicked immediately thinking, okay, shit, now is like the podcast not up? Are people not able to access the content? <laughs> I think this was even on the day. Like, and then actually I reached out to the support and they explained to me, no, that's not the case. You just need to update your account in the next 30 days before. But I think one in comms was really, really bad. But even in that moment, I was thinking, okay, like I really need to switch because this is just not on like what they're wanting. But even in that moment, I was thinking, okay, but what are the switching costs? And I think that's like going back to earlier points, having one of these businesses where you're a fundamental component of that person's business. It's very, very difficult to just sort of uproot yourself and move. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as obviously it's kind of like the Holy Grail. If you're building a SaaS platform, the more and more you can kind of become ingrained with what the person is doing, a customer, the more likely they are to stay. So obviously there's, you know, there's yeah. a good benefit as a business to doing that. Um, it's interesting you say that because like, I think there's two, there's two different ways you can kind of go, go for like cancellations or um, trying to deal with, with people who have perhaps missed a payment you know like ultimately sometimes if you kind of send an email that's a bit shock shocking and kind of you know opens their eyes sometimes it has more effect in that it can you know prompt them to prompt the user to actually take action saying oh, i don't want to lose my service i best put my card details in but it's interesting you say that it actually had the reverse effect with you uh, kind of rubbed you up the wrong way and actually you're like oh these guys are just being you know kind of aggressive with this yeah yeah, I think you've got to think about the context is always coming from like, I got a new card, I just completely forgot to update. It's not like I didn't want to pay for the service or for it. Or the flip, if it was the case where I didn't have money, it's like, okay, this person's maybe obviously struggling and now you're sort of like going to cut them off uh, there. I think it's, I don't think anybody actively says, I don't want to go and pay for a service. I'm just going to see how I can get a free ride for as long as possible. <laughs> Uh, so I think like no, I, I, I'm sure it happens sometimes but you know um, it, yeah, yeah I, I guess I, what you mean I think I think ultimately customers are really important and I think you know again there's an opportunity there which is why customer success in our in our um, products is really important we try and deliver as much value as possible when we're when we're speaking to people we actually give people the time of day they can book a call with us uh, or book a demo you know because I think it makes a big difference between customers that are happy and more likely to stay like let's say just someone doesn't understand like one feature and they're getting confused with it well if you give them t- rather than just directing them to a you know help desk article which sometimes is fine um yeah. 
But if you actually show them how to use that feature and kind of hold their hand through that, it can make the difference between that customer then being a customer for a couple of months versus a couple of years. And how are you doing that? Is that one-to-one conversations or? Yeah, so we use sort of a standard calendar booking system and we'll, we'll take either phone calls or video calls. We don't have like an incoming number that, that clients can call because we just, we've tried that in the past. We just find it gets too crazy because we are a you know, relatively small team. So we, we allow customers to book time with, with either customer success or with technical support. And, you know, it, it does help again, especially in those early days when someone's new to the platform, they're trying to get their heads around everything. And actually there's obviously going to be some learning curve for, for, for clients. For sure. And and you can provide all the resource and training materials in the world. Sometimes actually having that call with someone just makes a, a, a huge difference. Absolutely. I think having sort of that personal touch to it, either putting like a voice or a face in some cases uh, to the brand and uh, to the company definitely goes a yeah. long way in sort of building their brand loyalty as well. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and also we, we try and take on people who are passionate about the topic so we're really lucky because we're based in manchester and there's three universities here and one of them has a course called tip television and radio so from that course we've had so many interns we've hired quite a few staff and we also take part in actually delivering um, one of the lectures for, for the radio module as well which is cool um, but that's you know we've got we've got a kind of a, a readily available source of you know really sort of passionate members of staff from, from that course who who kind of understand the radio and podcasting and audio production thing if that makes yeah, sense for sure um and and as a result they're so they're so much happier to speak to clients about their ideas and and, and they understand what clients actually want versus someone who's just perhaps worked in a generic customer service role for, for a different industry if that makes sense so so i think i think again having people who are kind of passionate in your team it stands for a lot yeah, we spoke about this recently as well, I think with Ziv Pallad and also with Julie Hogan from Drift and uh, Ziv's from AppsFly. Like so in the early days, having somebody who's really keen, motivated, like energetic, enthusiastic about the topic uh, goes a long, long way in serving the customer as well. So it's not just another job. It's more like this is my passion and yeah. let me see how I can help my customers uh, better. Yeah, and also it's just it's a deeper understanding of, of the customer, what's going on in the customer's mind, I guess. Yes, having empathy, mm. it rules. Yeah, so we have been running a little bit short on time, but I wanted to ask you sort of running now the different companies that you've been going through over the years, what has been like the biggest challenge that you've had to face when it came to general retention and you can pick any company and then how did you sort of work your way through that with the team and with the company? I think the main, the differences that I've just talked about, when we used to run wave streaming, which was similar to radio.co, served the similar market it was not as much of a platform versus you know we sold a lot of different tools and it was more like b2b whereas radio.co is a mix of b2b and b2c we learned a lot of lessons i think from that and how we dealt with customers how we dealt with churn and retention all that sort of thing and back then you know i said to you now you know encouraging customers to come back has has been a big big sort of game changer for radio.co back then you know like we'd cancel clients and from our perspective we really sort of had to shift our mindset because back then it was like okay you've cancelled you're no longer a customer see you later you know so that i think has been a, a a big lesson learned and also just stuff like retaining the data because we back then we'd have clients who wouldn't pay for services 
is and then they would get cut off and we wouldn't pay. And then we had to complain because their data was obviously all missing. And then, of course, we wouldn't get them back as a customer. So those things, I'd say, were, were the biggest challenges back then. And, and that's kind of how we overcame them. Nice. And then the question I ask everyone that joins the show is, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now that you've uh, joined a new company and uh, you've been tasked to try and churn, churn and retention around. Uh, it's not doing great. And you've been asked to try and get some results quick. You have 90 days to try and uh, turn things around or at least uh, show some traction. What would be some of the first things you'd want to do at this company in the first 90 days? Okay, so first of all, I would try and run a survey and, and just, just generally ask some questions around what customers felt about the service they're receiving, uh, the product itself. You know, just try and get a feel for what, what the, the general vibe was from the audience. I would then try and have some conversations with people who had asked who would answer the survey either in like a very positive light or a very negative light. So, you know, try and find out what the people who answered in a positive way, you know, what do they like about the platform? What's, what is it doing well? What's good about the customer service? And obviously then you can get some good, good valuable feedback from people who said, no, this isn't working for me. I don't like this, this, and this. And, you know, I think that would be the first thing I would attempt to do. Also, you know, implementing better communication, making everything more personable, you know, showing people's faces on your chat widget within, you know, intercom or whatever you're using within the app, I think is a really cool thing to do. You know, having some kind of names at the bottom of your emails, just little things like that, details where customers know they're actually speaking to a person. That's the sort of stuff I would look at to begin with. Then also, you know, look at the metrics, dive into you know, your churn rate, dive into, you know, look at the growth metrics of your monthly recurring revenue and, and just try and get a really good understanding of what's going on there and, ha and try and sort of draw some parallels between what the figures are showing and what's going on in the customer's minds because I think they're always going to be connected, right? Yeah, so you're taking that sort of qualitative, quantitative approach and trying to holistically understand what the problem is. I like the, the fact as well that you mentioned sort of that making... Uh, yourself more personal and uh, really making sure that you're putting your faces and names uh, to the company i think it's yeah, sure it stands for a lot you know yeah we, we often forget and i think you mentioned it, I don't know if it was just before the show but uh, you wanted it to be like hands off and then realizing sort of this it, you actually need to create these one-to-one -one connection you know, to create this brand and this empathy towards customers i think as well it just it's just how the internet is, is more like 10 years ago when i kind of was getting started there was very much just like this perception that if you bought services from a website it was just this anonymous website you didn't have contact details for them or you know you might have an email address and you know you got through to a generic help desk and there was very much just like that perception and the industry a lot of the software industry back then was very much like like that i think nowadays there's a lot more personality and branding generally of, of software companies online and also you know a desire to provide you know better customer services and also make your processes more efficient yeah absolutely and i think also maybe it comes down to trust as well like the internet as well i think for a lot of people it's now entering definitely not entering it's passing the early majority and at this point like people want a more complete product they want to feel that they can trust what they're investing in and yeah uh, trust of. trust 10 years ago meant having a big badge on your site that said we are using a secure connection right that was exactly. the idea of trust trust now is is showing you know what you're capable of help how you're capable of helping the customer and, and, and taking them on their journey and really and pr solving their problems i guess yeah it's actually being trustworthy now not just talking about it <laughs> mm, yeah absolutely well, James, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Is there any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with in your way they can keep up to speed with what you're working on? 
Yeah, of course. So if anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, my name is James Mulvaney. And one of the things I do on LinkedIn is a, a weekly live show every Wednesday lunch, time called Working Lunch, where we um, speak to different people who are you know, in business, in marketing. And, and really the idea is they bring three concepts to the table around the idea of growing your business, growing your team or growing your audience. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, et cetera. If you search for my name, James Mulvaney, one of the things I've been doing this year is, is really trying to focus on growing my personal brand. So um, I'm trying to push out as much useful content as I can and help as many people as possible. Excellent. I just sent uh, a request now on LinkedIn to connect. <laughs> well, cheers, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks very much for having me on, on the show. It's been, uh, been really interesting. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, and I wish you best of luck now going forward. Okay, cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.